With this encouraging word about your giving, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You're giving unto the Lord. You're giving to people. You're giving of your tithes and offerings in the church here. Your giving has not gone unnoticed by Jesus. It hasn't gone unnoticed. Sometimes we get this feeling like, wow, I'm insignificant. I'm not all that important. What do I have to offer? Who am I? What can I give? And we measure giving in relative terms. So I want you to know in your giving through the ministry here, your giving among your fellow believers, your meeting needs has not gone unnoticed. This is amazing grace. If Jesus saw the widow's might, and he did, and valued it highly, you can be sure he sees your giving as well. Thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in Romans 12, which tells us a thing or two about giving, or as Pastor Ed characterizes it, love in action. And today, we'll go deeper into this great subject, beginning with a reminder of who we're ultimately giving to. Here's Ed. If you gave prompted by the Spirit of God, if you gave because God put it upon your heart and impressed upon you to give, then you were not burned as you gave unto the Lord. You gave unto Jesus Christ. I know the person might have burned you, and you've learned a lesson or two about that. But when you and I give, we give unto the Lord. He prompts it, and we give as a way to honor him, and we give to others. We help meet needs unto the Lord. And I'm telling you, you might be burned by people, but you were not burned by Jesus Christ. He has blessed you and encouraged you, and it's an honor to serve Jesus Christ by giving and helping to meet needs. You know, when you think of this, he says in verse 18, back in 1 John 3, he says, my little children. It's like by the time that John writes this, he's an older man, and you just get this picture. He says, hey, kids, listen, I've been there. I've, I've lived a long, full life. My kids... Just that gentle term of endearment. My kids, my children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The spiritual habit of helping one another not only includes the willingness to die for someone, but also the willingness to live for them as well. Maybe it's just you're holding on to your stuff too tightly. Maybe you're holding on to your money too tightly. You know, God is, maybe he's calling you to use the money he's given you to help someone But you have fallen into the trap. I fall into the temptation of thinking it's all mine. I'm going to do what I want with it. I don't have that much after all. I'm just going to do what I want. And you shut your heart up not only to human need, but you shut your heart up to God who wants to use you to bless someone in Jesus' name. You know, your money is your work, your hard work, all the overtime that you do, all the pressure you're under, all the stress that you experience working in this world. You're not just working for yourself. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Flip over to Acts chapter 20. You're not just working for yourself. You're also working to help others. God has blessed you with a position, with a salary, so you can help others. I know times get tough in the workplace. I know the pressure gets crazy. I know there's an overwhelming stress. I know with the way things are going, there's less people doing more work and 
layoffs and cutbacks and it's in, it's crazy but don't let that shut your heart up toward people or toward the Lord Paul's here talking to the leaders in Ephesus he's about ready to leave and he's warning them and he's encouraging them and he's using his life as an example and when we get there I want you to see pick up with me in verse 31 as he's encouraging this is Acts chapter 20 verse 31 he says therefore watch and remember that for three years I didn't cease to warn everyone night and day with tears and now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified and then he gets personal he says in verse 33, now he's talking about world's goods. And he tells him, I haven't coveted anyone's silver, anyone's gold, anyone's apparel. I don't want your stuff, basically, is what Paul says. As a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, he says, I don't want your stuff. I've never wanted your stuff. As a matter of fact, he says, you yourselves know, verse 34, that these hands, I'm sure you look, he probably had well-worn hands because he was a tent maker, working with leather, and he was working hard. I'm sure he, you know, these hands he says, have provided for my necessities. Paul was a tent maker. We often use that phrase as a tent maker where someone works a full-time job in the world to provide for the needs of their family and they also serve in the church. You know that a majority of the leadership, a majority of the volunteers, you guys all work a full-time job somewhere, overtime, extra time, providing for the needs of your family and at the same time you serve the Lord here in this church you serve with joy and gladness you know when we send a guy out to go plant a church and that's God's put that on his heart we say look you've got to get a job until the Lord raises up a church around you to support your family you don't want to be a burden to that church so make sure you got a job take care of the needs of your family working in the world and we also give you an opportunity to share the gospel with people and tell them about what's going on in your life, but then also as you're raising up that congregation, as you're teaching them and loving them, you want to be careful not to be a burden. The, word, the phrase tent maker comes from right here. Paul says, I've worked for my necessities. I took care of my needs. But notice, he says one other thing. He says, I've worked, provided for my necessities and I provided for those who are with me. See, he wasn't just working for himself. There were people with him that he helped, that they came along to support him, and his work was enough for him and the people with him. Because when we work, we work not only for our own needs, but also for others. And so Paul, he says, look, I've shown you, verse 35, in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's a heart issue. It's going right to our hearts. It's an incredible, beautiful picture of giving of how you have been blessed with something to provide for your family and now your heart is also, how can I help others? How can I be a help to others? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 because even by now some of you might say, hey, I don't have anything to give, Ed. I mean, I'm tapped, I'm at the end. I don't have anything to give. I want you to see a picture of that in the churches in Macedonia because they could say the same thing. The Bible's going to tell us in just a moment here that this church was in deep poverty. I mean, they didn't have anything. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The church in Jerusalem, to pick the scene here, the church in Jerusalem is, is struggling. They were once a strong church, but as the middle of the first century comes along, they're struggling, they're suffering, they need help. So what Paul does is he goes around to the other churches and says, can you help, can you help, can you help? And here he gives us an insight of the churches there in the upper Grecian area of Macedonia that they step up and they want to help. And beginning in verse 1 of chapter 8, it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace. This is this grace of giving. We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches 
of their liberality. They didn't have anything, but they gave. They saw a need and they jumped in. He says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, because they stepped out in faith and they took Malachi at his word and tested God in this area. He says, according to their ability and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, employing us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. I mean, this is a church filled with believers, just like you, a group of believers, just like you, in deep poverty, that when the need was presented to them, they said, we're going for it. We want to help. We want to give. We're going to give according to our ability. But then God touched their hearts so much that they gave beyond their ability by faith. And I want you to see how they did it. Don't miss verse 5. Verse 5 here says, And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And some in the area of giving, you just got to give yourself to the Lord. You got to let go. I want you to see what that looks like. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. You just got to give yourself to the Lord in this area of giving. Look at Proverbs chapter 11. I know we're moving around a lot, but very important principle that Paul's teaching us as a church. Proverbs chapter 11. Give yourself to the Lord. Just think of all the reasons and excuses that hold you back from helping, that hold you back from tithing, that hold you back from giving, that hold you back from even seeing needs, why your heart might be shut up today, why your heart might be shut up to human need, why your heart might be shut up to the things of the Lord. Give yourself to him. Verse 24, Proverbs chapter 11. It says, there is one who scatters and yet increases more. We go, yeah, Lord, beautiful picture. Yet there is one who withholds more than is right. And notice it leads to poverty. Like it's not going to help you holding back more than it's right. It's not going to help me. It's going to lead us to poverty. Poverty of spirit perhaps. Poverty physically where we don't have enough. We never seem to make it. Is your heart shut up to the Lord? So I don't have a lot. And sometimes that means I'm not going to give anything. It's not going to do anything. I can't help. My life doesn't matter. Look, I'm struggling just with my own life. But you know, God wants to help you not only get out from this struggling habit this pattern of your life, but he wants us to be open to him, give ourselves first to him, and then to each other. This is the church here, distributing to the needs of the saints, to each other by the will of God. It says, verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will be also watered himself. You'll be taken care of. The Lord will bless those of you that give. Church, please don't be uncomfortable about your pastor talking to you about giving. It has been a pattern over the last few months. You've noticed in our section, we don't place a great emphasis on giving here. We just expect you to give unto the Lord, give yourself first to him, and then give of your tithes and offerings and respond as the needs are met. You know that we don't place a great emphasis on giving here, but we do teach on it when it comes up in scriptures. And it has been coming up lately for us as a church. It's been coming up in Romans, and it also has been coming up for those of you on Wednesday nights as we've been studying through Deuteronomy, as over and over again Moses is talking to the children of Israel about tithing. And you're going to see it again come up over and over, even in Romans, because giving is such a great part of your spiritual maturity. It's such an important part for you and me to grow up in the things of the Lord. And so don't be uncomfortable that a church is talking about teaching. You know, those guys and gals on TV, those televangelists, they're not telling you the truth. They're simply not telling you the truth. This nonsense of, well, you give this much and you'll get a 5,000-fold, 1,500-fold, whatever it is that they need, that's what they create and say, well, here, you give it to me. You know, those guys, those gals, they are laughing all the way to the bank, their own bank accounts. They are profiting off of genuine, sincere believers that are watching them and go, well, I better give, and I'm expecting back. They're profiting off of us. They're taking advantage of those that support them. 
that give under their ministry. They take that money and take these large salaries. They buy their families boats and cars and houses. They're the ones taking advantage of the body of Jesus Christ. And all of us in spiritual leadership are going to have to answer to the Lord Jesus Christ on how we cared for his flock. Don't give to them. They don't look out for your best interests. And it's well documented. You can email me and somebody you have on mind, I'll give you the information and you can see it for yourself. Don't be uncomfortable in this light of giving. I, I'm telling you, I've been in this church, this particular fellowship. We've been in existence almost nine years and I've been here for those nine years. And I'm just here to tell you as a pastor that this is a safe place for you. We're not going to manipulate you in giving. We're not going to guilt you in giving. We're not going to put any undue pressure on you in giving. We're going to encourage you to seek the Lord. And if you ever sense, well, maybe that's a guilt trip, Ed, or that's some pressure or manipulation, then you come and you talk to the person eye to eye that you might be feeling that pressure from, whether it's me, one of the staff pastors, one of the lay leaders, that you think, wow, this is pressure and this is manipulation, this is guilt. You talk to us. You share that with us. You let us know that you're feeling that, and we'll search the scriptures together, and if there was any kind of manipulation or guilt, we'll repent. I pray we repent. Because God, he's interested in you. And giving is a part of your spiritual life. And you don't want to shut your heart up to need. You don't want to close your heart to the Lord. You don't want to close your heart to human need. One more thing before we go back in Romans chapter 12. Hospitable giving love. This giving hospitable love. Back in verse 13 of Romans 12, he says that we're to be given to hospitality, church. That our lives are to be open. The word hospitality here refers to this love of strangers, it really, the idea of hospitality is to be open with what you have, what you've been blessed with. You know, that apartment you have, like that apartment you have may not be big, it may not be luxurious, but you were praying for that apartment for months, weren't you? You were, you were homeless. You were staying in with someone else. You go, Lord, give me a place to live, give me a place to live. And then God comes through, he gives you a place to live. Now be open to use it for his glory. That condo, that townhome, that home that you have, that duplex that it would be used unto the Lord, that you and I would be hospitable, that we would pursue the love and the hospitality. You know, hospitality was so important in the New Testament. Because in the early days, in the first century, as Christians traveled around with their families and teachers and, and itinerant teachers would go around, the ends of that day, you know, the hotel types of things, the motels were ugly, disgusting places. They were places of crime. They were places of sexual immorality. They were places where you don't want your family. You don't want to stay there. And so what happened was is that the families of the church would open their homes and house the people that came through. They'd just take care of them, just like here in our church, you know? We have guest teachers come through. We have worship leaders and bands come through. A lot of them, they stay with families in our church. They just want to stay. A family says, hey, we'll take them. Five of them, we'll take them. We've got an extra room. We've got an extra couple rooms. We've got a basement built out. We'll take care of them. We'll cook for them. We'll bake them a pie. We'll bring them to church. We'll encourage them unto the Lord. And it's just that openness of hospitality, being open to being used and letting your goods be used for the Lord. What a sweet disposition to have. Just right there. Just, hey. I want to be helpful. I want to be open. It's one of the cool tests. It's such a great Christian virtue. It's such an important Christian virtue that, that in the qualifications, the spiritual requirements for spiritual leadership in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says the overseer, the bishop, all the things that mention, it also mentions that that person should be hospitable. They should be open. They should be opening their homes, their hearts, their arms in Christian love, just being hospitable and open having that character trait not only in our leadership but in ourselves, showing hospitality without prejudice, 
showing hospitality without partiality, without expecting anything in return, to friends, to foes, being open. Some of you are wondering right now, what can I do for the Lord? Open your home. Maybe you need to get involved in a home fellowship and you host it. Open your home to the believers. Some of you just are such good cooks or you bake so well and, and, and it's just open your home and have someone over for a meal and bless them in Jesus' name. Someone at work, someone in the church just being open. I'm telling you, just praying through this, these two spiritual virtues, I got busted in my own heart. Things that only God would know about my heart, things that only God would know about my life. It's like, wow, Lord, you're so good. Just one little verse. To have an open heart, to have, be hospitable, entertaining strangers. Jot this down in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Can you imagine? Like, you shut your heart up to strangers, you might be missing out on something cool, man. An angel coming up to your door. You know, angels are referred to in the Bible earlier in Hebrews as ministering saints. They come to serve you, come to take care of you. But you shut your heart up, you might be missing some cool stuff. One last thing before we enter into communion. Would you turn over to Hebrews chapter 6, all the way at the end? I want to read it to you. I want it to sink down in your heart because you're giving unto the Lord. You're giving to people. You're giving of your tithes and offerings in the church here. Your giving has not gone unnoticed by Jesus. It hasn't gone unnoticed. Sometimes we get this feeling like, wow, I'm insignificant. I'm not all that important. What do I have to offer? Who am I? What can I give? And we measure giving in relative terms as well, in terms of, well, I'm not giving as much as her. Like, like we could come up to that person with the widow's mite, right? And we see the widow go through and she gives a couple coins, a couple pennies, clup, clup. And we go, hey, pennies, what is that going to do for the kingdom? Pennies, what are you giving pennies for? Don't you have dollars? Don't you have more than that? Pennies, come on, what are you getting away with just giving pennies? But if we knew the truth, like Jesus revealed it, right? That widow, she like gave everything she had. Those mites were just like what she had. She wasn't measuring or counting. She, her heart was so, she says, I'm giving you everything I have. And for her, it counted for a couple mites. And then the, the Pharisee comes in, right? And the Pharisee comes in and doo, 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 I'm giving everything. Notice how much I'm giving. The Pharisee was all messed up because he had a lot more and he was giving very little. And so I want you to know, and you're giving through the ministry here, you're giving among your Fellow believers, your meeting needs has not gone unnoticed from the Lord. There in Hebrews chapter 6, notice verse 10. We see how important it is just to take this in. Your giving is important unto the Lord. It's not gone unnoticed. It says, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Your giving is a precious memorial to him. He remembers it just like he did with Cornelius. He was God-fearing, but Cornelius wasn't saved. God sent somebody from Joppa all the way down to Capernaum so that Cornelius could hear the gospel and get saved. But the Bible says there in Acts that Cornelius' givings came up before God. They were talking about his giving his alms and your giving hasn't gone unnoticed by the Lord and maybe you feel like you're forgotten or you're not worth that much let me just say church listen people are going to heaven because of you marriages are being saved because of you backslidden kids they have a home to come to because of you Kids are being raised in the ways of the Lord because of you. From our fellows, just the, just the congregation here, just this little church here, of all that God's doing on the world, just this little church here, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are affected 
by the ministry that flows through your life, through your faithfulness. And so the enemy starts to beat you up and say, what do I amount to or who am I or what is this? Listen, your giving is vital. And over the years here, if you've given anything to the ministry, you've given anything to the Lord through the ministry, you've ever put an offering in one of the offering boxes here, you need to understand that very early on we determine as a church, as we encourage the church to give unto the Lord of their tithes and offerings, that we as a church by pattern would give of our tithes and offerings as a church. And so the baseline goal that the board set up for our fellowship was 10%. 10% of everything from day one that's come through this church back in 1999 all the way till today. A bare minimum of 10% goes right back out on a monthly basis, sometimes on a weekly basis, for missions and outreach and benevolence. The faithfulness of this congregation is that I think, if I remember correctly, I think we hit at a peak one year, 17% of everything that came in the ministry went right back out toward ministry, very practical ways. And we weren't even paying attention to the numbers or trying to measure it. It was just at the end of the year, we got this report and we're like, man, look what God is doing. Because our hearts are open here. We want to see God move here. And we want to be faithful in all that he's given. So Just think of your life. It matters. And your labor of love hasn't gone unnoticed. And it's a big part of it. I get, you know, on those notes I sent out on Mondays and Fridays, you notice lately I've been putting the little things on the bottom, the the responses, the things that are going on. I get emails like that all the time of all the things that God is doing through the ministry, through ministry, through the church, through your life. You get an email and says, hey, I met some guy, King Super, said he goes to your church and help me with my groceries. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, that was all over. That, those kind of things come every week. And so I started sharing them because that's our congregation. That's us. That's you. That's me. And God is doing a work through us. And so don't shut your heart up. Pastor Ed Taylor reminding us our giving to God is making a real difference. God sees it and will reward you for it. And we want to thank you for your participation with us here at Abounding Grace. Each and every gift that comes in helps us to continue the ministry on your station. We can't do it without you, and we thank God for you. To make a secure donation, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. That's also the place to replay our radio program. Again, AboundingGraceRadio.com. And as you give $25 or more today, request a copy of the book, Love, The More Excellent Way, authored by Pastor Chuck Smith. Ask 10 people on the street what love is, and you might get 10 different answers. So what is love? See how God answers that question in this wonderful book enjoyed by many. Again, call 877-30-GRACE, and we can take your resource request. Well, Pastor Ed, some no doubt are inspired and open to being available to be used by the Lord and meet an unmet need. But there are so many needs, and as you cautioned, there are many bogus needs. So what practical steps can we take to identify what's legit and what isn't? Well, Larry, I think the first thing we need to address is to be very, very careful of becoming a skeptic. You know, a skeptic rarely believes what's in front of them. There is caution, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead us in walking by faith cautiously, but we want to be very careful not to become skeptics, because skepticism only breeds more skepticism. And there's a sense where agape love uh, believes all things, And that we want to walk in trusting what's before us. But what are some practical steps, you know, to identify what's legit and what isn't? I think the the fact that you have a peace of God, 
that he's given you is a is a good step forward. I, I know that's not entirely practical, but it's very important that, you know, you just got that. Sometimes people refer to, I don't know, something's not right here. Uh, this doesn't feel right. You know, you trust your gut uh, when in reality your gut is simply the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, but what is legit? What isn't legit? I think that, like, for example, if someone was asking for help, I would want to buy them a meal instead of give them cash uh, that, that might be used in a way that would harm them. But even if it is used in a way that would harm them, uh, you know that when you give, remember, you give as unto the Lord. And let the Lord sort it out. You know, your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, we let the Lord sort it out. There are a lot of bogus needs, and sometimes needs aren't needs at all, they're just wants. And I think as we pray and we seek the Lord, He'll give revelation, but we never want to leave agape love, because agape love believes all things, and we don't want to become skeptics. We want to be faithful, being vessels of the resources that God has entrusted to us. That is very helpful. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. We'll have another study in Romans for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Blessings to you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.